In just a few moments, I'll be joined by Florida governor and presidential contender Ron DeSantis. But first, Team Joe is giving the term White House a whole new meaning. First, it was a trans flasher and now cocaine. Joe's promise to restore dignity and morality to the White House is going about as well as that whole build back better thing. The show starts now. So cocaine was found at the White House, sparking an evacuation over the weekend. Now, under any other administration, this would be shocking. But in the house of Brandon, not so much, given, well, the obvious. There have been several conflicting reports as to where the cocaine was found. But according to the latest reports, it was in a work area accessible to staff. The Bidens were off on yet another Camp David vacay when the substance was found, so whether the coke belonged to a mysterious family member or someone else, I think we all know some poor, low-level staffer is going to take the fall regardless. You know, this all feels like a very strange board game, so just for kicks and giggles, let's play Clue, House of Brandon Special Edition. So many interesting characters, like Hunter in the library with the crack, Kamala Harris in the study with a lead pipe, or Pete Buttigieg in the billiard room with a rope, maybe even Sam Brinton in the ballroom with a suitcase. But what about some of our other favorites, like Eric Swalwell in the bedroom with a Chinese spy, Bill in the rose garden with a shovel, Hillary in the garage with a hammer, those Clintons, man, you gotta watch your back and your front with them. But let's be honest here. If something were to happen to old Joe, I think we all know who did it. Now, as funny as this whole crack in the White House situation is, it's also just really humiliating for the people's house. You know, a few weeks ago, it was this, and now cocaine. So talk about bringing back dignity and morality to the White House. What's next, Joe? A Cardi B rap music video in the Oval? Folks, only 565 days left of this joke. January 20th, 2025 cannot come soon enough. And I think my next guest will agree with me. Governor Ron DeSantis joins me next. When it comes to 2024, I'm in the ABB anybody but Brandon category, but my next guest is fighting a growing pack of contenders to be the one to dethrone Joe or Kamala, or as I've long theorized, to prevent Gavin Newsom from ever coming close. I've got a lot of questions, so let's dive in. Joining me now, Florida Governor and 2024 presidential contender, Ron DeSantis. Hey, how are you doing? Governor, it's so great to have you. I have so many things that I want to ask you, but I have to start out with some breaking news, and that is... <laughs> Cocaine in the White House, you know, a headline we probably never thought we would see except under this administration. So when you saw that headline, what first came to mind for you? Well, I've long believed, I think a lot of us have believed that the Biden administration has been blowing it on a lot of fronts, but I guess it's a little bit more literal than even I had thought. I can tell you in Florida, my wife and I, we have a six, five and a three-year-old running around the governor's mansion. So that's not something that we see. We do have to occasionally get slime out of the carpet and get marker off the wallpaper, but that's the extent of our adventures at the governor's mansion. You know, it's so interesting, the reporting on all of this. And of course, you know, the likely suspect is the known crack addict, Hunter Biden. But I think whether it was him or somebody else, I think we all know a low-level staffer somewhere is going to take credit for this. But this is just another knock on the Biden administration. But you do have Joe Biden finally kind of rising from the dead, now going out and campaigning. And he's campaigning on 
Biden nom economics. And uh, I don't know if he's got a real strong record there, but what do you think his chances are of convincing the American people that his economic plan is working well and building back better? Bidenomics means you pay more for everything in life. And if you look at the difference between when he took office and now, how much does it cost to get a mortgage? Interest rates are, are significantly higher. How much is your grocery bill? How much does it cost to buy a new car? So all the staples of life have are increasingly becoming unaffordable for, for average Americans. And it's a direct result of bad federal policy, borrowing and printing trillions of dollars, the Fed printing trillions of dollars over the last few years sparked a significant inflation. Of course, Biden throws gasoline on the fire, not only with his spending policies, uh, but also how he's using the bureaucracy. He's kneecapping American domestic energy industry. He's trying to do things like DEI and ESG in the economy, which is not good for opportunity or not good for growth. And he's trying to force everybody into an electric vehicle. So all that means is it's going to increasingly be more difficult for the average family to make ends meet. And so my, as, as president, we're gonna rip up all of Biden's economic policies um, and we're gonna restore the economy to something where people can actually succeed again. I think the American people are itching for a Republican to be back in the White House for nothing other than just economic policies because I think that's gonna be a big driving force when people cast their votes in 2024. Before we get into some other policy things, I do have to address the elephant in the room because, Governor, I don't know if you know this about me, but I have been a longtime Trump supporter. In fact, I think I was one of the first people on the Trump train. I campaigned for him uh, through my commentary through the 2016, 2020. I've been a vocal supporter of President Trump. However, I have gotten a lot of flack because I have looked at you and your candidacy and what you've done in Florida, and it's impressed me. So the natural thing has been the Trump supporters are very angry with me for this and for telling the truth. But because I do also represent a lot of Trump supporters, I have to ask you this, because this is what I constantly get questioned on. What do you say to those Trump supporters who say, we like Ron DeSantis, we wish he would have waited till his 2028 turn? What do you tell those people? Well, first of all, in America, we don't have turns. Uh, people can run if they believe they have something to offer the country. Uh, and I can tell you, as somebody that's worn the country's uniform, who served in Iraq, uh, who believes in, in a cause greater than myself, I believe 2024 is make or break. Uh, I don't think we have time for excuses. We're not going to get a mulligan on this one. And I think I've shown the ability to defeat the Democrats, yes, at the ballot box by winning Florida by historic margin, but also on issue after issue. We beat them on lockdowns. We beat them on education. We beat them on ESG. We have beat them on illegal immigration. We have beat them on transgender athletes competing with women. On issue after issue, we didn't just talk the talk. We walked the walk. And so I'll run. I'll beat Biden. But I think even more importantly than that, uh, I will deliver on all these things, because if we don't actually deliver, then uh, I think we're going to end up being in a hole that's going to be very difficult to dig out of. So I think I'm the guy that can get all of that done. Uh, and I think I have a responsibility to offer myself, uh, given uh, that that's where I'm coming from. I often tell people that if we don't win in 2024, there might not be a 2028, given what Democrats will do to our electoral process. So that's my next question for you. A lot of Americans out there, 
they want a Republican back in the White House. They support you. They support your ideals. But they say, hey, listen, everything is so messed up with our election integrity. The Democrats have this game figured out with vote by mail, early voting, ballot harvesting. How can a Republican compete? What do you tell those people and how can you win a general election given all of those things I just mentioned? Well, first, I think a lot of states have taken good action, including Florida, including Georgia. In Florida, we don't allow ballot harvesting. It's banned. We don't allow Zuckerbucks. It's banned. You can request an absentee ballot, but they don't, they're don't. they not allowed to send out ballots uh, unsolicited to people. And so that is really the way forward. Many states have done that. Now, not every state has done that. So for example, in Nevada, uh, they have mass mail balloting. So whether you request a ballot or not, they're sending it to you. And yes, we know that if they send one to an apartment in Las Vegas, they probably send three to that one for the people that have been there before because they don't have accurate voter rolls. So that's a challenge. They also allow Zuckerbucks. But my view on this is we've got to fight the fight the way the Democrats are. We will have a ballot harvesting operations in the key states where it's legal when I'm the nominee. I am not going to sit back and let them rack up votes and then tell our folks not to compete on the same level. So we're going to have Zuckerbucks where it's allowed. And I think most of your viewers know Zuckerbucks is actually private money to election offices where you then send people in and then they use the election office effectively for a get out the vote effort for your team. It's not the way you want to run elections. Don't get me wrong. If I can wave a magic wand, I'd get rid of it in every state. But where it's legal, we've got to do that. So you, I can pledge to folks, we're not going to fight with one hand tied behind our back. We're going to exploit all areas to be able to deliver um, an election victory. And I think that that's very, very important. We're also going to be on the front end doing legal challenges when that's appropriate. I think what happened in 2020, they started filing a lot of these lawsuits after the election. By that time, it's too late. You've got to be very forward leaning on this um, and you got to lean in on it. But then all said and done on that. Um, you know, in Florida, I took a state that had been a one point state and we won by 20 points. And so winning independent voters matters. We won women voters. We won 62% of Hispanics. Uh, the persuasion game still matters. And I think we have an opportunity to make the case to the country that Biden has failed miserably, and we have an opportunity to reverse the decline if we choose a better path. So I think we can win independent voters overwhelmingly, which will help erase whatever the Democrats are doing with the harvesting. I agree with you. We're going to have to play the game or we're going to lose the game that we refuse to play. But I'm glad you brought up uh, Joe Biden because I've had a theory governor for a long time. And I don't think this is so far-fetched. I do believe that California Governor Gavin Newsom is going to jump into this race at some point. I don't think he's going to oppose Biden. I think he's going to be in place of Biden. So I'm curious what you think about that theory. And also, you know, the man has taken shot after shot after shot at you and has also become somewhat chummy with Donald Trump. So I want to get your thought on that as well. Well, I'll tell you, uh, California's got huge problems. I mean, this was a state that was the ideal to pursue your dreams in this country for decades. People would try to get to California. Now, since Newsom's been governor, they've lost population. They never lost population in the history of California until he became governor. I've been in places like San Francisco and LA over the last few years. 
these are almost post-apocalyptic images that you'll see. I saw people defecating on the sidewalk in San Francisco using drugs, fentanyl, crack openly. Of course, they have district attorneys in places like Los Angeles that don't believe in holding criminals accountable. So the inmates end up running the asylum. So I think it's been a really, really poor record. And you see all the problems. You see the problems they have just keeping the power on sometimes. And yet that governor spends so much time attacking Florida and attacking me. And yes, it's true. We've had more Californians move to Florida since I've been governor than at any time in Florida history. I never, as someone born and raised in Florida, I don't think I ever saw a California license plate in Florida growing up. I mean, why would you leave a place like San Diego or Orange County? These are great places, great weather. And I think people have left because the governance is so oppressive and so intoler intolerable that they're picking up families and moving thousands of miles away. So to me, that's the most powerful verdict on leadership when they're leaving your jurisdiction. And I think Florida shows we've done it well because we have people that are crawling over hot coals barefoot uh, to be able to come move to the free state of Florida. I think the economy is going to be a big issue in 2024, but I also think that this culture war that Republicans have just recently started playing is going to be a big part of that, and specifically when it comes to parental rights. It's amazing to me, Governor, how the left continues to dig in on the their desire to have a lack of parental rights, their desire to have children belong to the collective. I know that you're somebody that's very big on parental rights, protecting kids. How is that going to play into 2024, and how do you get the message out to young voters, to maybe independent, more liberal-leaning voters, that parental rights is the issue that they should vote on? Well, I'll tell you, I think this is going to be a blockbuster issue. I think it's somewhat of a sleeper issue because the media doesn't really understand the potency. But when you start talking about people like Biden and his ilk, what they're saying is, these are all of our kids, quote unquote, that it's not just your kids, it's quote ours. And I'm just thinking to myself, wait a minute, my wife and I have a six, five and three year old. They're your kids too? No, 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 they're our kids. We're the parents. We have the fundamental right to direct their education and upbringing. And here's the thing, that is a view of the primacy of parents that is not just a Republican view. It's not just an independent view. There are a lot of Democrat parents who agree with us on this. So I think the left's playing with fire uh, when they think that they can use schools and other institutions to supersede the rights of parents. In Florida, we've done a parents' bill of rights. Of course, we did the parents' rights in education and beat Disney on that, where we're saying we're not gonna have things like gender ideology in the schools, particularly in these young grades, it's inappropriate. But you've actually have places around this country where schools will quote, transition a student to a different gender behind their parents' backs. So we have to reestablish the rights of parents, not just in Florida, which we've done, but all across the country. And I think you have a left-wing movement in this country that is fundamentally hostile to the rights of parents. And I will hear people talk about the media will say somehow by us standing up for parents, you know, we're just trying to engage in a quote culture war. Let me tell you, the left is the one that's waging the culture war. We're simply standing up and fighting back against that and standing up for the freedom of our families to raise their kids the way they see fit. Well, I agree with you because for far too long, we have ceded our ground to the left and the liberals. We've let them have Hollywood. We've let them have popular culture, music, sports, you name it. They've had it all. And we didn't even want to play the game. We wanted to have charts and graphs and the economy and inflation, but we never even entered that ring. 
So I want to talk about another hot topic, and that's the integrity of women's sports. But before I do that, Governor, there has been a little bit of backlash because late last week, the DeSantis War Room Twitter account put out a video attacking Donald Trump for, I guess, his advocacy for the LGBTQ community. And some people on the Trump side, and then, of course, the liberals, some people in between, they were pretty upset at that video. It, it features Caitlyn Jenner and, and other folks. Now, what do you say, what was the intent of that video? And it was not put out by you, but it was put out by an account linked to you. What's your response yeah, to look, all the I mean, I, I think, you know, identifying uh, Donald Trump as really being a pioneer in injecting gender ideology into the mainstream where he was having men compete against women in his beauty pageants. I think that's totally fair game because he's now campaigning saying the opposite, that he doesn't think that you should have uh, men competing in women's things like athletics. And so we've been very clear on it that uh, we believe in protecting the rights of our girls and the rights of women athletes to be able to participate with fairness and with integrity. And ultimately, when you talk about some of the gender ideology that's being unleashed in this country, in the state of Florida, we are fighting back against that clearly in schools. But I think even beyond that, it's just a fundamental issue of, you know, what role, I think it's an attack on women's rights more broadly to say that gender is fluid. And I also think it's an attack on the truth itself. When they take a swimmer who swam on the men's team for three years, and then switches to the women's team, and they say that's the women's swim national champion, we know not only does that violate the opportunities for the other women swimmers, but we also know that that's a lie, it's not true. And I think there's value in making sure our society is rooted in truth and not in social fads. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And most Americans want to restore that common sense. I mean, this is a winning issue for you, for Republicans as a whole. I think it was just the Caitlyn Jenner images because she has been so vocal with everything that you've just said and fighting for that. But hey, listen, people are going to get mad about everything. You're never going to please anybody. Uh, Donald Trump takes so many swings at you, so it's understandable. And the minute that I have left with you, I want to pivot to a funner question, a more fun question, because you are born and raised in Florida. I know that you're also a baseball player. My husband was born and raised in Miami, Florida as well, and he actually played for the Blue Jays. So where you lived, he did all of his spring training. So I have to wow. ask you, being that you are the governor of Florida, are you a Rays fan, a Marlins fan? Where do you lie in that battle? Yeah, I'm a Rays fan. It's interesting, though. So he was in Dunedin. That was uh, my home baseball field for high school because the city owned the stadium. So we practiced and played in a spring training uh, baseball stadium. I ended up playing four years in college and traveled all around the country and played. And I never played on a better field in college than I did every day for high school. So we were really fortunate to grow up in a spring training city and have that support. But it's interesting with the Rays. They're a phenomenal uh, program and franchise. Uh, they don't have as much money, and yet they managed to put out a good, good team on the field. But they didn't come to Tampa until I had left for college. And so while I am a Rays fan, I didn't grow up with them. I actually grew up with the Atlanta Braves because they were the only team in all the Southeast when I was a kid and you could watch them on WTBS. And so these are the 80s and 90s Braves, not as good in the 80s. They were really good in the 90s. So I still root for Atlanta and the National League, but in the American League, I'm a Rays guy. Well, you just made a lot of people here in Tennessee happy because this is Atlanta Braves country until we get a team in Nashville, which we're really pulling for. Governor, thank you so much for so much of your time. Best of luck to you. And we'll be watching and waiting to see what happens. It's going to be exciting to say the least. Yeah, thank you. Godspeed. God bless.
Still ahead, the liberals have been taking some serious judicial L's these last few weeks. And here's another. A federal judge has issued an injunction against the Biden regime for their COVID-vax propaganda collusion campaign with big tech. Oh, my final thoughts are next. Joe Biden and his communist COVID lackeys colluded with big tech to censor Americans and push vaccine propaganda? Yeah, no duh. It's time for final thoughts. Ladies and gentlemen, if you see a liberal this week, they are very easy to spot. Give them a hug because they could use it. Not only is Pride Month over, not only did we celebrate the USA this week, but the rule of law and U.S. Constitution have really hit the liberals hard. Last week, we got not one, not two, but three favorable Supreme Court rulings upholding religious freedom, merit-based achievement, and personal financial accountability. But that's not all. This week, a federal judge has issued an injunction blocking the Biden regime from contacting and colluding with social media companies to censor and suppress content and information that goes against the preferred propaganda. A U.S. District Court judge determined that, hold your shock and awe, the Biden administration likely colluded with big tech wardens to censor and suppress protected speech during the never-ending glorified cold that was the COVID pandemic. We have Republican Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry and former Missouri AG, now Senator Eric Schmidt, to thank for bringing this case forward and documenting the countless examples of First Amendment infringement brought to us by the big tech plus big government plus big guy menage a trois. And it just so happens that I know a thing or two about this BS, given I was personally singled out by Biden's White House digital director to be reduced due to my outspoken objection to the COVID vaccine and more specifically COVID vaccine mandates. In fact, I was even named on page 16 of this judge's opinion. The judge in this instance quite accurately pointed out that each example or category of suppressed speech was conservative in nature, which he called quite telling. Yeah. No freaking kidding. But guess who is pretty salty about all of this? The neutral and unbiased mainstream media. Turns out the New York Times, perhaps the biggest benefactor of the First Amendment and free speech given they are a news outlet, kinda, is worried this injunction could curtail efforts to censor conservatives in the future. Well, too bad, so sad. We aren't there yet, but just you wait till conservatives are fully unbridled and unmuzzled the truth is going to leak out like a sieve, and when it does, watch out. Oh, and P.S. I would personally like an apology from every single one of these blue check COVID fear porn weirdos who repeatedly claimed any critique on vaccine efficacy was disinformation. Your COVID vaccines are basically useless, so it's about time you admit it. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless. Take care.